Good day, my name is Sky, and I appreciate you spending some study time with me. I'm here to help you make money in online poker by teaching you key strategies and getting you to take action. We are talking continuation betting today. So in today's episode, I'm going to cover the key things that you need to consider before making your very next value or bluff C-bet. To help you take notes on today's podcast, go to the show notes page, smartpokerstudy.com slash pod 440. Cool beans, let's roll. Gambate! You will see everything. Are you ready, my son? Yes, I am. I think. Then we haven't a moment to lose. The continuation bet, or the C-bet as I always call it, uh, is it's a bet on the flop made by the pre-flop aggressor in the hand. So you raised, somebody called, and now you have the lead once the flop hits. Whether you're in position or out of position, uh, you'll, you're the one making the C-bet. And that's great. So now we know what it is. But why do we do this? Why do we make C-bets? There are three key reasons for C-betting. The first reason is you displayed strength by raising preflop. Your opponent is weak because they just called, and now you're putting pressure on your opponent and you're utilizing fold equity to win that pot right now. The second reason we see bet is that most hands, and ranges of hands, they aren't really improved much on the flop. Most ranges quote-unquote hit the flop about 35% of the time. And by hit, I mean they flop top pair or better, or an open and a straight draw better. So if they hit only 35%, that means they miss 65% of the time. So your opponents are often more likely to fold on the flop. And the third reason we see bet is we're going for value. If you flop a hand worthy of going for value and the stacks are deep, you've got to get more money in now so that you can pile more money in later and eventually get all the money in and just stack your opponent. So now that we talked about the what and the why of C-bets, let's talk about our two different types of C-bets. Value C-bets and bluff C-bets. So the most important question to ask yourself before you click that button is, why am I C-betting? The answer should be for value or as a bluff. If you're just betting to bet, then you're making a huge mistake right there. So we'll first talk about value bets. If you're going for value, you must be able to name some hands out of your opponent's range that you beat and that they will call you with. If there's nothing they'll call you with and they're just folding all of their hands on this board, then you may be better off just checking instead. When it comes to bluffs, on the other hand, if you're bluffing, you must be able to name hands in their range that you beat, but that they can also be folding. If they're not folding, you're not bluffing. And that is key, so I'm going to say it again. If they are not folding, you are not bluffing. And most of the time, when we discuss c-betting, we're talking about it in terms of bluffing or semi-bluffing. Like I already said, you know, most ranges hit only 35% of the time. So if you're c-betting 70% or more, then more than half of your c-bets are bluffs. The same idea of most flops not helping most ranges, that's why your opponents nowadays don't fold so easily to c-bets. You're C-bet bluffing because they likely didn't improve, and they're calling you your your C-bet because you likely didn't improve. It can be a game of chicken, but if you're using a HUD and they are not using a HUD, then you've brought a tank and they've brought a Volvo to this duel. So let's talk about some important stats. So these particular HUD stats will help you figure that out. The first stat is fold to C-bet. 
The higher the better when you're considering a bluff seabed, of course. Anything over 65% means that they're pretty flop honest versus seabeds, and you can push them off more easily. The second stat is raise seabed. Some players like to raise seabets as bluffs, especially when they are in position. Anything over 10% is likely a bluffer, and over 20% is surely a bluffer. You only flop strong hands worthy of raising and bloating the pot. You only flop hands that strong maybe 10% of the time. So this is the cutoff percentage, roughly 10%. 10 to 20 is kind of middle ground, over 20 for sure bluff. And the third stat we want to look at is check raise. And it's it kind of goes along the same lines as that raise c-bet uh, stat. Over 10% is a bluffer. Over 20% for sure a bluffer. If you've played 1,000 hands and you've never seen this particular player check raise until now, get out of there unless you're near the nuts. You also want to be aware of your own c-bet stat. What does your current stat at this table say about you? If it's at 35% over 100 hands, then you're pretty straightforward and flop honest. If it's at 55%, then you're mixing in some bluffs and semi-bluffs with your value hands. And if it's at 75% or greater, then you're full of it and your perceptive opponents will notice this and play accordingly. You know, image is so important at the tables, and you must expect your opponents to respond to this appropriately, just as you would to their image. So let's talk about c-bet sizing. Now, the main thing with your c-bet sizing is to tailor it to the opponent to get the reaction that you want out of them. So when you're bluffing, you want to save some money, so go as small as you think will still earn the fold. If they're a super honest player, maybe they fold the c-bets 80% of the time, right? You could probably get away with 25-35% pot. Even up to just a regular standard half-pot c-bet would work against them. However, if they're like a sticky player, they don't like to fold, maybe the board is really wet, you might have to go a little bit bigger two-thirds to three-quarter pot to get them to fold. And I'll often think to myself, what would I bet with a strong hand for value right here? That bet size, whatever it is, that's, it seems to me, a good size, a good bluffing size to go with. Because if that says value to you, hopefully it'll say value to your opponents and it'll convince them to fold. Now let's talk about double barrels real quick because uh, the pot size on the turn, it's, it can be very important and it can if it's too big, it can make your turn double barrels very costly. So before choosing your flop bluff size, think about the size of the pot on the turn just in case they call. There's a lot of players who you know, you look at their fold to c-bet stats. They fold 30% on the flop, 65% on the turn. It's probably going to require a double barrel. So a really good strategy is to go a little bit smaller on the flop, maybe 30 to 50% pot somewhere in there, right? Then when they call, the turn card hits. On the turn, you go 50 to 60% in that range. Uh, It's going to be less costly than going 60% on both the flop and the turn. Plus, for opponents who are paying attention, right? Not the totally oblivious ones, but... Most opponents are kind of paying attention. They see your bet and they realize what size or what size of the what the size of the bet is in relation to the pot. So if they notice you going thirty percent pot on the flop to sixty percent pot on the turn, that looks like you mean business, and it's going to be more likely to earn the fold. Now, when it comes to value, see bet sizing, make it as big as you think they can give you value with. 
Now, people often see those half pot seed bets. We we see them all the time. We make them ourselves all the time, right? Um, those are often just like maybe testing the waters, and it's often a bluff seed bet. So those sizes, half pot, they quickly get called. But if your opponent hates folding, just in general on the flop or the turn, or the board is super wet, and they, or maybe they already have a made hand, like you put them on some kind of a top pair hand, but you got two pair kind of a thing, go bigger. Try to get as much value as possible. Two-thirds pot, that's a great place to start for your value C-bets. Then size it up or down based on what you think the specific opponent could give, could give you value with. Now, one thing I teach all my students is to get value while the getting's good. If you think they can give you value, do not slow play and check. You want a continuation bet to start building that pot now so it's bigger on the turn and it's bigger on the river, of course, so that you can maximize your value. Assuming, of course, that the turn and river cards come uh, good for you and your value range. And a quick shout out to these wonderful poker peeps who got my online poker hand reading workbook. They went to smartpokerstudy.com slash hand reading workbook and they're on their way right now with all of the questions and the answer keys turning themselves into professional hand readers. So I got to thank Alex Roberts, Peter Turlewich, George Caracos, Fred Woolley, Jean-Marc Moskowitz, Jean Dolorosa, Frederick Renard, Dong Hoon Bay, Chris Fetner, Randy Knoll, James Gravatt, James Crossan, Kevin Pryor, Ben Colley, Joaquin Svensson, Mark Wojko, Darren Clare, Tarvo Solg, Gerald Crone, Wayne Altomare, and Mutsuki Kojima. Thank you all so much. If you want to follow in these awesome hand readers' footsteps, get the online poker hand reading workbook, smartpokerstudy.com slash hand reading workbook. So let's talk about your opponents and positions. Sometimes we get to the flop heads up. Heads up pots are much easier to gain value from, as well as easier to bluff at. You only have one opponent and one range to be concerned with. But multi-way pots are a different story. It's tougher to bluff multi-way as so many ranges, and often, you know, they're very wide ranges because they're calling with such good pot odds pre-flop. Those wide ranges, and so many of them, they're sure to connect with the board in some way. Getting all these players off the pot with a c-bet is pretty darn tough. Another thing that makes c-bets difficult is being out of position. Give yourself a better chance at successful c-bet bluffing by making them more in position as opposed to out of position. People love to float the C-bet, then take it away from you when you check the turn. If you only want to fire one barrel, and you think it'll take more than one to get your opponent off their hand, don't fire that first one, especially if you're out of position. And be sure you stick around for next week, because I'm going to be talking about uh, C-betting out of position. We're going to do a deep dive into that. There are some really interesting spots or uh, strategies that your opponents could use against you, and I'll tell you ways to fight back against them. And real quick, a little bit about board textures. I just want to say it here, texture does matter. Think about their calling range and how well it hits the board. A calling range comprised of small to medium pairs, lots of pseudo connectors, and maybe some broadways, it doesn't hit a board like Ace-4-3 all that well, nor does it hit a King-9-Deuce flop so well. But this kind of range, you know, the middle card and pocket pair heavy range, that hits a 5-7-8 or a 10-9-8 or a monotone or a two-tone flop very well. If the board smacks their range, you should be much less likely to bluff C-bet. Alrighty, let me sum all this up for you with a couple of C-betting checklists. 
For value seabending, you must be able to name the weaker hands they can call you with. If they'll fold everything you beat and only call with better, just don't make the bet. You must look at their HUD stats first to help give an indication of their likely response. And you want to size it to two-thirds or three-quarter pot and adjust it slightly up or down depending on how likely your opponent is to call or how likely they are to fold. Be much more careful when seabedding into a multi-way pot. And you need to consider the board texture and how their range interacts with it. And for bluff seabedding, if you can list better hands that they will fold, then go ahead and make the seabed. If they won't fold, don't bluff. And if the board texture smacks their range, once again, don't bluff, of course. If you're out of position, you want to be less inclined to bluff seabed. And if it's a multi-way pot, be less inclined as well. Great. I think I got it. But just in case, tell me the whole thing again. I wasn't listening. Challenge! Here's my challenge to you for this episode. Focus on seabedding this week. With every seabedding opportunity, be deliberate. Know whether or not it's a bluff or a value seabed. Purposefully choose your seabed sizing to get the reaction that you want. If they ain't folding, you ain't bluffing. And get value while the getting's good. And of course, look at their seabed related stats to gauge how they will likely react to your seabed. Now it's your turn to take action and do something positive for your poker game. Oh, that's it now. Get out there and be somebody. Go write a book. Alrighty, go to the show notes page to help you take notes. Smartpokerstudy.com slash pod four four zero. And be sure you stick around for next week because I'm going to be talking about seabedding uh, out of position. We're going to do a deep dive into that. And if you're looking for top-notch microstakes online cash game training, join the Poker Forge right now. Go to thepokerforge.com. Check out what's there. Nine masterclass courses will teach you all the strategies you need for a successful and profitable poker journey. And of course, one of the courses, the Profitable Seabets course, that's going to help you out a ton. Go to thepokerforge.com right now. Until next time, take action both on and off the felt to become the player that you want to be. Mm-hmm.